Welcome to the Demand Excellence Podcast. I am your host, Coach Jonathan Guest from Eagles Landing Christian Academy. And today on the show, I have Coach Lance Helton from Jeff Davis High School. Many of you, probably five or six of you guys have told me to interview Lance Helton. And as I say that, if you guys know of another good, strong Christian coach who's doing things the right way, please let me know because I'd love to interview him. That's what this podcast is all about. It's about encouraging each other and equipping each other in Jesus Christ. And when we hear other people's stories about how they're living and coaching for the glory of Jesus Christ, it encourages all. And when I say equip, there's things that other coaches are doing, like Coach Helton, that we can learn from. He had a legacy program, or he has a legacy program that he's doing, and you have to listen to the podcast to hear more about it. I'm going to copy it. It's a great idea. A lot of things that Coach Helton's doing there at Jeff Davis High School is things that are beneficial for me. And another way that Coach Helton can equip me is just listening to his testimony of what God is doing in and through him in the community of Jeff Davis is equipping me because I want to replicate that. I want to do the same thing where God has put me. That's what this podcast is all about. And that's why I started it because I don't think I'm a better football coach than anybody. I'm not trying to be a better football coach than anybody. But I think what we all need to strive to do is we need to strive to impact the players that we have for Jesus Christ. And so, and and many of you that listen to this podcast, you might not have a relationship with Jesus Christ, but you want one. I pray that you would reach out to me. Best way to reach out to me, the easiest email is guess, G-E-S-S dot football at gmail dot com. And um, man, got a lot of resources for you if you want to grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ or we connect can connect you with people that are in similar situations with you or maybe be near you. So that's what this podcast is all about. And man, it was just really encouraging to talk to Coach Helton today and just listen to his passion for the community, his passion for the, the kids that he coaches and just his passion in general, his passion for football, man, it was awesome. He, he's a rising star, I can tell it. My co-host today is my defensive coordinator, Brett Collier, man. Brett is awesome, he loves the Lord, and he's gonna make a great head coach one day. Uh, of course, he's waiting on the right opportunity, and I don't wanna lose him. But um, also plug in my book, Demand Excellence On and Off the Field, it's what it's all about. It's about a relationship with Jesus Christ Glorifying Jesus Christ as a football coach, uh, you can find it at elkafaster.com or go to my Twitter handle and it's pinned at the top of the page at elkafootball. Also, you can follow Coach Lance Helton at Coach L Helton, which is H E L T O N. His Twitter's pretty good, pretty good stuff on there. Got a lot of stuff with his players. Anyways, I'll be quiet. Hope you guys enjoy the podcast today. Give us your background a little yes, bit. Um, I grew up in Sandersville, Georgia. Um, I played for – my head coach in high school was Rick Tumberland, um, and Coach Ingham was my O-line coach in high school. Um, played there and went on and played at Ball State University in Muncie, Indiana for Brady Hoke. Okay. Um, for, for two years there, and when Coach Hoke left to go to San Diego State, I transferred and finished up my career at Valdosta State. Um, okay. Played there. Um, right when I got out of Valdosta State, I took a job with Coach Roger Holmes at Dublin. Yeah. Um, coached with with him for two years, and then I left him and went to work with Robbie Pruitt um, at, at Coffee High School. When my wife became pregnant with our second child, she had a high-risk pregnancy, and um, we went back to work with Coach Holmes, and I was with him ever since until I took the job at Jeff Davis. Okay. So I'm uh, – Offensively, I'm a multiple wing T guy. That's what I do, um, and that's kind of my football background, um, you know. And, and where I've been at around the state, I've a Middle Georgia guy, you know. Growing up, and, and uh, caught a lot of flack for working at Dublin, being a Washington County graduate. Yeah, with that rivalry, but we we made it happen. And Coach Holmes has been really good to me. He's been like a second father to me, along with Coach Ingram and Coach Tumlin. I've been really lucky to be around a lot better guys than myself 
Well, you know, Coach, as you talk, I think about that's great pedigree. Well, when I say pedigree, obviously they're not your dad's, but you got to work for Roger Holmes and you got to work for Coach Pruitt. Talk about the value of getting to work for two quality coaches like that, preparing you to be a head coach. Oh, wow. You know, uh, I owe so much of being the coach I am to those two guys. Rick Tumble and Joel Ingram growing up in Washington County made me want to be a football coach. I can remember standing up and watching in the Sandersville Elementary School Pride Program, Rick Tumlin addressing us when I was a little kid and saying, I want to be like him. But working with Coach Holmes and Coach Pruitt allowed me to understand the ins and outs of the game. I tell people this all the time. In my opinion, Coach Holmes is the best three-phase football coach I've ever been around. He can coach offense, defense, or special teams. And sometimes it felt like he was just paying me a something because he liked me, because he really didn't need me there. He was, he was that good. <laughs> what, what I learned from him was the ability to not leave a stone unturned. Everything is important when you're molding young men, of not only from the X's and O's part of the game, but mentoring and showing young men the way to live their life. Because Football is our vehicle to do that. No question. Um, Coach Pruitt is a guy that, man, when he opens his mouth, Coach, you just listen. You just take it in. There's a lot of wisdom. There's a lot of of wins. And there's just a a godly figure and great man as well as Coach Holmes. I was just really lucky to to be around as, as long as I was with both those guys. Talk a little bit about the wing T, because you're a multiple wing T guy now. And, you know, it's like it used to be that's what everybody was running. Now it's it's not that way, but it seems to maybe be coming back a little bit. I think it's a great offense. I'm a spread guy, but we have wing T concepts or I guarantee same type of philosophy that you have. Talk about the wing T a little bit and, and why you love it so much. You know, when, when I – took the job with Coach Holmes out of college. I had no idea what the wing tee was. We, we were power out Washington County growing up. And at Valdosta State, we threw it around. Um, we were pro style at Ball State. So when I got to Dublin High School, I think what made me fall in love with the wing was just trying to be the best assistant for Coach Holmes I could be, not having any preconceived notions, and just learning the offense, trying to learn the ins and outs, and trying to understand – his thought process, why he did what he did, and the adjustments to it. I'm a big believer, Coach, that it all works. Um, Air raid, pro style, single wing, wing tee. I think what makes a good football coach is how you can adjust out of it. Where do you get your answers from? How you can get those answers. And for me, with the wing tee being the only thing I've coached in, that has kind of been my philosophy just from the answer standpoint. Um, our wing tee is, is a little bit different, I guess you could say, than the, the typical Delaware wing tee. Um, you know, when you look back at the history of, of our version, I, I would assume, you know, you would say that it came from Herschel Moore up in Middle Tennessee and the way he did things with the option game and the jet sweep and the rocket toss, uh, the formation adjustments. And that's kind of where where we are. Um, I love it because, quite simply, Coach, I'm going to dance with the girl that I've brought to the prom. You know, we're going to continue to do what we do because that's what we believe in. Coach Tumlin told me as a young guy when I was playing for him, when when he kind of knew I wanted to be a coach one day, he said, if you believe in it and you can get your coaches to believe in it, they'll get the kids to believe in it, and that's how you're successful. And I just – I believe that. I think that Jeff Davis County has bought into how we do things and our approach. Um, when you hear folks in the stands start talking about we ran the buck sweep good on a Friday night, well, that makes me really excited because that means they're bought in. Right. We are in a, a time where, you know, this, this thing is not necessarily what we see on Saturdays and Sundays to the, the average person watching. But 
now yeah, I think you're exactly right, Coach. I think you see more gas game runs, more buck sweep, more misdirection than you've seen in the past. And I think that it will come back full circle. And I'm just excited to be a part of that. And I'm excited to be in a profession where we can do what we believe in. That's the beautiful thing about coaching football is we have rules and regulations, but when it comes to philosophical approaches, for the most part, we all we all get to stand on that. And that's what makes coaching the game of football a beautiful thing, in my opinion. Absolutely. Yeah. You said a lot there, Coach, and that's really good stuff. You know, I love that approach. Do what you do and get real good at it. Um, I'll, and you, you kind of mentioned right there at the end that the, the people of Jeff Davis were starting to buy in to what you're doing. Um, just for the listener out there who might not know a lot about uh, where you are, Jeff Davis County, give us a little bit of background of, of how the team's been there and, and when you got there, how you guys have done, and kind of how that – that process of buy-in has worked. And uh, just give us a little background about your team and your county. Sure. Um, when we got to Jeff Davis, they hadn't made the state playoffs since 2001. Um, it, it had been a while. We got here in 2017. Um, and the first thing that we did was I tried to bring in a group of guys who were my friends and my family. Guys that our wives get along, our kids get along, because I think the kids and the community needed to people who weren't pulling in a different direction they needed to see a room full of men who believed in each other and believed in our approach and believed in the kids they wanted to be there and let's get this thing going um when we got there at jeff davis you know it, it was um to, to be quite honest with you it was a, a time where there was a lot of uncertainty three head coaches in four years had some things going on, and we just tried to sell, number one, guys, out love and out care everybody you play. Yeah, I think in small town, one traffic light towns in South Georgia, that still matters. You know, you've got kids that have played together from the time they were playing peewee playing football all the way up to their seniors. The whole Kenny Chesney song, Boys of Fall, that, that effect really sticks to this part of the state at times. And for us, it was about reestablishing pride. The first thing I did was I tried to go back and look into the good years of Jeff Davis football, the 1990s, 1990 team that played in the state semifinals, the 1997 team that played in the quarterfinals. And what we tried to do is automatically change our uniforms, helmet stickers, all that back to that. My philosophy is if we're not leaning on the good times, what are we leaning on? We're not trying to be like, when Jeff Davis was a household name in the state of Georgia when it came to football, what are we doing? Right. So that was my approach. You know, I think that Tom Hibble did a great job here all those many years ago. And just trying to lean on the way, not necessarily a philosophical approach, but the way he rallied the community. We try to bring back that small town pride of being a Jeff Davis yellow jacket, reaching out to former alumni. Um, one thing that I think we did a really cool deal with, with was we started what we call our legacy number program. Um, instead of retiring jerseys, we have taken our six Division One football players and NFL players, and they choose six kids to represent them and wear their number every year with a commemorative patch. And it's also been a mentoring program for Jeff Davis County Fair. Um, it also gets these guys back involved in our games. Right. You know, we, we look out this year in our playoff game against Dodge County, and you see Nate Hibble, who was an NFL player that played at Jeff Davis High School, had a towel in his hand, swinging it around his head, having a great time. That matters to Hearst, Georgia. Um, so for us guys, in, in a nutshell, we tried to emulate Jeff Davis when it was successful. From a scheme of, of football, we're going to do what we do. We play an odd front defense. We are multi-wing team. We're going to try to take a point in the kicking game. We're going to try to make you spend time on that. Um, but more so than anything, we wanted our kids to believe in what we do. We wanted our kids to believe not only in what we do, but themselves. We try. We have a saying here that we, we say every day, when you're wearing Navy, you're as good as gold. We try to make those kids believe in that which they do, and we try to make sure they feel like on every Friday night they can go play with the Pittsburgh Steelers. 
whether that is from a schematic standpoint, a motivation standpoint, a nutrition standpoint, just try to be the best us we can be. We try to say in our coach's office, we ain't trying to have 11 supermen, but we want 11 guys that will be the best them they can be. And when you do that, you start seeing kids hug each other in practice, healthy competition, go get after each other's tail in a drill, but then they'll go high-five after that's what brings football together and makes it the most special game in the world. That's why I love it. That's why I do it. Absolutely. Coach, so you went to Jeff Davis. So this was your second football season, right? Yes, sir. Been there two full years. So they're coming off a bunch of coaches. They had three coaches in four years, and here you are going on your third year. Why is it that you can stay at Jeff Davis, but those other coaches couldn't stay at Jeff Davis? I mean, do you think it was your approach? Like, I'm going in there, and God has called me here, and I'm, I'm here to turn this thing around and, and, and be here for the boys. I mean, just, just why is it that you've had success there? You know, first off, the reason I had success is the Lord has blessed me with it because we all have trials and tribulations too. I've got a group of men who believe in me. I believe in them. And we believe in these kids together collectively. And, and outside of the walls, none of the stuff matters to our kids anymore. Okay. It, it, it doesn't matter to our kids what the people in the Piggly Wiggly say. It matters to these kids what the people within our walls say. And that's tried to be the culture that we develop, which we have tried to breed this thing on toughness, accountability, and the, the motto we have of being a catch dog, being able to go complete the mission, be, be a Cadillac, okay? Growing up in small-town Georgia, all the people that had money drove Cadillacs. They didn't drive Mercedes. They drove Cadillacs. So we try to say be a Cadillac in everything you do. Be the baddest guy on the road every day in everything you do. I think our success um, has been because these kids were hungry and this community was hungry. You know, our administration was hungry. I've got the best administration in the state of Georgia um, that have allowed me to get the coaches that we need in, and I've got the best kids that believe in each other that I've ever been a part of. And that's what makes this place special. It ain't about me. Um, it ain't about this group of men. I think that we try, our prayer every day is to be the men for this place that the Lord needs us to be. Um, and, you know, that all came to a head in our first season where we had to play on a Monday night to get into the playoffs for the first time in 17 years. Monday night minigame. Right. And when our town shut down, on a Monday night, and we were able to break that playoff streak. It just rejuvenated this place. And this has been a, a wild ride and, and a fun thing to be a part of. But I, I want you to know, Coach, this is not about me. And I, I thank the Lord and I thank this community and these kids for what they've done. Coach, that's awesome. I love hearing you talk about how um, you know, you kind of had to change the culture when you got there. You brought the word culture up. That's kind of a buzzword that everybody's using nowadays. Uh, you talked about some things there, toughness, accountability. I love your uh, analogy of being a Cadillac and everything you do. Talk a little bit, if you will, about um, – and you don't have to get too specific about what it was like when you got there. But kind of talk about that transition process of you got there and – you know, things might not necessarily be good, and then you're trying to change the culture into what you want. Talk about some, maybe some things you did. I know you talked about kind of getting the older folks back involved, but specifically with the culture of your guys and your team, talk a little bit about what you believe there and what you did when you got to Jeff Davis. Well, you know, Coach, the first thing I did was I tried to have a word associated with every day of the week. Um, and we, we as coaches try to preach that word every day single day for example a work week for us the word energy is our monday okay you're coming off of uh, a huge high from a great wind or valley from a loss okay you don't know emotionally where you are wins and losses can both be draining at times so monday we have to make sure we have the right energy to treat the game of football the right way that is huge to me treat the game the right way and the game will in turn do the same to you. Not necessarily in wins and losses, but I see that every day. 
how the game can treat you. So we try to treat the game with the right energy every Monday uh, and try to make sure that we are locked in to have a great week. You know, Tuesday to me is a defensive day. We try to compete. That's the word, compete, in everything we do. Defensively on Tuesdays, offensively on Tuesdays, Tuesday is our compete day. Wednesday is about toughness. For, uh, for the most part, around the state, Tuesdays are your full pad practice. That's when you have the pants on, you're a little, you're a little sore, you've been banging in the weight room. you got to be a tough guy on Wednesdays to make sure you don't plateau or dip. You gotta, you've got to continue your ascension on Wednesdays, and I think toughness is a huge part of that. To me, Thursdays is about discipline. You've got to fix the, the minor things in the game plan, the little bitty adjustment. Uh, there may be something here or there that we have to change, but that's what it's about. And then Friday is about hunting. It's about being that catch dog. Get off the leash. Go hunt that wild hog and complete the mission, man. That's what when I when I say the word catch dog, you know, that's kind of a you talk about buzzword. That's kind of a buzzword in South Georgia. All right. When I was growing up, my parents had like these house dogs that slept on the vent and ate better than I did. Okay, they took a lot of care of them. Yeah. And then you had all these these guys in South Georgia who hunt, and there's this this one dog that's kind of the baddest guy around, and it's a catch dog. You let him up, and he go he goes and grabs these wild hogs down in the river, okay, and he'll run himself to exhaustion to complete the mission. And being in in Hazelhurst, Georgia, right here by the Altamaha River, that's kind of our our theme. We talk about is about being a catch dog. Let's let him off the leash on Friday. Let's go make sure we can accomplish the mission. Let's go hunt. Let's go be the best us we can be. Coach, so it's, that's been a little thing that we've done. Now I was going to say, go ahead. I, I'm sorry. if I use catch dog around here, they'd, have, they'd look at me like I had five eyes. <laughs> <laughs> I understand. <laughs> no, that's good, Coach. I'm, I'm still – you know, a lot of people are in your – you know, more coaches are in your shoes – than 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 any other coach. I mean, a coach is trying to go to a new program and and he's trying to turn it around. And you know, I'm just intrigued by how you you, you turned it around. You you turned the culture around. Talk about where you are right now and some of the expectations that you have or how you handle expectations uh, for the 2019 season. Sure. You know, j- just to touch on, on that uh, real quick, Coach, before I say that, I think you said something very important. I think the key to being a great leader, uh, and I'm not, okay, but I've been around great leaders, is be yourself. I, I've in no way tried to go be Rick Tumlin or Joe Ingram or Coach Holmes or, or Robbie Pruitt. I've just tried to be the best me I can be, just like that's what we try to tell our kids to do. And I'm, I look, I fall short and have faults. And I think the humility of that, I think that we, we never want to see that. We never want our kids to see that side of us. But I have tried to embrace that to these kids because none of us are perfect. None of us are perfect. And I, I try to, to show them through humility, hey, I'm going to be the best me I can be for you every day. All I ask is you be the best you, you can be for Jeff Davis County every day. And that, that is kind of, I guess, you know, my charge to the coaches around the state that are, that are going through what I'm going through is just be the best you you can be. Um, don't, don't try to be anybody else. When it comes to 2019 expectations for us, I think that um, this community is very excited. I think they're ready. Um, I think they want to see Jeff Davis. The two things I keep hearing, at the coffee shop, and uh, my wife tells me about it at the hair salon. I I'm, I don't have any hair, so I don't go to the place. <laughs> he keeps telling me that the the two things people are talking about are they want to see Jeff Davis win a playoff game, host a playoff game, those sort of things. And it's just my my coaches and I were sitting uh, down the other day, and it, it was just awesome to hear those things. You know, um, yes, the pressure is there. Yes, the, the uh, you know, the, the attitude is the right way. But to hear the this community have pride and expectations for themselves, to be able to walk around with their chest held high, to be a Jeff Davis yellow jacket, 
is very exciting for me because my original goal when I got here was I wanted these people to feel about Jeff Davis High School the same way I feel about Washington County High School. Yeah. And to, to hear some of those things happen, and it makes me kind of ball my fist up and do the, the Tiger Woods, you know, kind of, uh, yes, sir. Yeah, that's awesome, Coach. I was, uh, you know, I was thinking the other day, that there's, a, there's a, lot of, uh, a lot of good coaches out there, and they're all different. You know, Mike Leach is a whole lot different than Dabo Sweeney or, uh, or Nick Saban, and they're all pretty good coaches. So be yourself is a, a good thing just there. I appreciate you said. I'm curious about – because you, uh, you are a wing T guy. I kind of want to go back to that for a second, that philosophy. You're a wing T guy, and you believe in that. And uh, as a defensive guy, I love the fact that Coach Guest wants to run the ball and, and pound people and, and, and shove the ball down people's throats. Because I just think that when you set that standard on offense, I think it kind of impacts your entire team. And something that we do here is we really try to get each phase of our game on board together. and and kind of like a, a whole approach to football where your offensive philosophy matches your defensive philosophy and matches your uh, special teams philosophy. And it all kind of works together. And I think that's really important at a small school too, like we have, um, where maybe some of your kids had to play both ways. Or, But anyway, regardless of what it is, the message is all the same. And, and, and you kind of have that same mentality on both sides of the ball. So we try to do that that here and match all that together. Could you talk about that for a second with the wing team? You guys said you're an odd man front. And you mentioned your special teams earlier. How does all that kind of fit together at a school your size? You know, that's, that's a great question. Uh, you know, my philosophy being a wing T guy is, um, you know, in, in essence, I want to dictate the tempo of the game. I want to make sure that we are limiting possessions from other people. Um, I think in the run game, four yards in the first could equal 40 in the fourth. I think when you lean on people and people have to keep tackling you, they get tired of it at times. Now, there's people who, there's people who um, hey, ain't never got tired of tackling us, and they've beat our tail since we've been here. You know what I mean? Right. So uh, that that's part of it. But philosophically, that that's where, where I am. Uh, you know, Coach Holmes had an old adage that any series – it ended with the ball leaving the kicker's foot is a good series. Whether that be a PAT, a field goal, a kickoff, or a punt. You know, that means you didn't turn the ball over. That's right. So, for me, that's how we go in, try to go into games. We like to take our shots when we can, but we want to make sure that the physical part of the game has not left our kids. Um, and for me, it just – it helps them – I try to tell them this, you know, when, when it comes to the run game. If you think run blocking for 50 plays is hard, you should go try to be a husband and a father or two. Yeah. That's what's hard. That's, That's not- what's hard. We try to get them to enjoy the game of football and the physical style of football. It has definitely helped us defensively. Uh, and, and you're right, Coach. A lot of – and the reason that it's helped us is our D.C. loves that we run the ball. He loves that. You know, his back-end guys get to catch a blow. They're able to get on the field and be fresh. They're able to, to go stick their nose in the run game when they need to because they're having to do that at practice against us. Uh, and our two-way players. You know, we, we do play some two-ways, Coach. When we try to, to make adjustments is this, when we look down and we have staff meetings, we say, where's his better backup at? Right. And that's where we try to rest him is on that side of the ball. Um, but, you know, being a small double-A school, it is a lot of times a backup is a starter on another side of the ball. So That's right. We yeah. go into a game coaching, and we from, from the first kickoff to the buzzer, there are times where you see us play 25 kids. You know, and it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a shuffling match from the first play to the last, um, just trying to get our best players out there. And it's been, it's been very fun. With that, and special teams for me, Coach, to be honest with you, is, is where we try to be aggressive at times. We want to make sure that, that we are sound when we are returning the ball, whether it's in kickoff return or punt return. We try to make sure that we have the ability to fair catch the ball, when we have a sound return, and we try to take chances when the ball leaves our foot, whether that's in punt, kickoff, or PAT field goal. We, we, we try to make you defend 
um, and be ready for fakes and things like that because we want we want to put stress on on you that way. Um, and philosophically, it has worked for these kids and worked for us as a group of coaches working together for going on three years now. Coach, you said something. Another thing that I think a lot of coaches don't understand, but that's the management of your personnel. And, you know, obviously your best players, there's going to be two or three guys that are going to play on both sides of the ball, but Mm -hmm. they can't play the whole game. I mean, you're talking about we're going to kick off and it's probably going to be 97 degrees the first Friday night. Those kids cannot play 100 to 140 quality plays. They're going to take plays off. And what what I've learned over the years is I have to manage players well. For example, a few years ago, I had a Division I running back that was our starting linebacker. You know, if you took him off of linebacker, there was a huge drop-off. But I had a running quarterback. And so I could take him out of the game and then lean on my quarterback to be the runner. And my whole goal was I got to get Keontae to the fourth quarter. And, um, exactly. you know, and, and then, man, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ride him in the fourth quarter. But if I ride him in the first and second quarter, he's not going to make it to the fourth quarter. Talk about that a little bit because, you know, everybody wants to talk about X's and O's, but I think a lot of times games are won on the topic we just talked about. Well, you know, for for us, uh, it has been – our skill guys are, in a lot of cases, in our time at Jeff Davis, been our our two-way guys. One thing that helps us being a a wing team group is we've got potentially four ball carriers on the field every play. Um, So – we are able to do some things that way to give guys backup is in. We're able to handle them that way. And, and my philosophy is this. I need those guys going on defense. I need them out there trying to stop people, trying to handle that. And offensively, with our misdirection, with our formations, we feel like we can give guys a blow here or there, like you said, to get them to the fourth. Um, we try to give ourselves – from a game planning standpoint, a 50-50 chance to win the game in the fourth quarter. Yeah. That is that is our goal on Sundays. When we talk about our substitution packages, when we talk about our layout of, okay, we're going to probably – we need to have a, a guy, for example, Coach. I have, a, I have a coach that just spots, and he is looking for guys to have the hand on the hip and to need a blow. And his, his job is to alert my personnel guy on Friday nights, and that's how we substitute, okay? Because we have we have guys that we have to just keep an eye on. What I don't want to do is run a guy off for a play and then he has to go in and have a 14-play drive on defense. I need to make sure he's able to play the best defense in football he can. And that that's just my approach, Coach. I'm, I'm not, you know, um, I've not been at this very long or, or anything like that, but – I just believe we got to stop them to win. And if we can, like you said, if we can sub and get our best ones with a 50-50 chance to win a game in the fourth, you just – I feel like we're going to have a shot to do that. Not We, we don't always. but and, and I would love to, you know, like you guys have been able to do at times, like Washington County's doing, shoot, I would love to be up on guys and, and sub them. But the reality is, you just can't always do that. So you have to have a plan in place to make sure you're able to win a game in the fourth, not lose it. Absolutely. Right. Um, Coach, I want to go back to something you said a minute ago. You were kind of talking about your overall philosophy about being physical on both sides of the ball. And that's something we believe in here. That's why we run the ball. That's why we play defense the way we do. We want to be physical and kind of beat up on people. We think football is a physical, tough man's game. But in today's world, um, with rule changes and just kind of the games changing to make it safer, which I think we all uh, agree those are good, good things. Um, how are you uh, maintaining physicality on your team uh, within the rules, and how are you practicing and, and maybe some some things that you're doing that's keeping that alive, that physical nature on your team, and how are you doing it also, and uh, you know not beating your kids up because we're probably no different from you guys if we lose our best tailback, you know, we're not quite as good as we were, you know. So 
Um, how are you doing that and, and keeping your kids safe and healthy, but also maintaining that physical edge? Well, I'll tell you what, if, if, if I had the answer to that, I think <laughs> I could quit coaching and make a lot of money. There you go. Um, you, you know, I, the, the game is, is it's an ever-evolving thing. And, and our kids here, I can tell you one thing, our kids here, and, and this is this – is, I commend their parents. I commend the coaches that were here before us. I commend the way this place raises their kids. We have tough guys here. Um, for me, you know, the you have to be smart, like you said, about, about the full contact, about the way you do things, and, and especially now with the contact limits, um, the consecutive days of full pads, everything like that. I think that you have to be a better teacher now to be a physical football team than you've ever been. I think you've got to be able to teach the right way to do it. I think you've got to um, make sure that it's getting done at a rapid pace because you don't have a lot of time for it. And you've got to be able to make sure that you're doing things from a day-to-day basis that enhance your ability without going full bore and, and risking injury, breaking rules, that sort of thing. Um, I spent a lot of time. Um, I tell you who, who Drew Chronic, I think, at, at Lenore Ryan does a fantastic job with the way he layers his practices. But I try to spend a lot of time watching him. You know, when, when we were at Dublin, we did a lot of blocking bags. And we still block bags a lot offensively. Um, but we, we feel like we have, uh, for example, um, it may be a 10-minute or 15-minute option period power period where it is a true line of scrimmage stud right you know um my philosophy is this we're playing with multiple backs in the backfield the guy that's getting the ball is not the one you have to coach as hard they gonna pretty much remember what to do that way it's that one that's got to go block down on the end that's the one you got to stay on so we try to make sure we give those guys the ability to do that throughout the week without risking true injury for themselves. Um, I think also, to be honest with you, from a motivational standpoint, you know, I think when you turn practice and the game of football into a, oh, man, I got to go run into somebody today and, and turn it into a negative, I, don't, I, I think that you, you as a team lose some of that physicality and tough, gritty nature. But we try to do a great job of elevating our kids when it comes to that period where these kids get excited, where, where they understand, hey, this is very similar to what you've got to do at the end of the game to win. Because the one thing that ain't changed about the game of football is there ain't a 45-minute third period. Right. <laughs> right. It's, 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 it is four quarters, and you can go. So we try to make sure that our kids understand that that part of the game has to be ready. Now, it's not exactly muscle memory like it used to be when I was playing. Well, you've got to be a great teacher and motivator, in my opinion, to have kids ready to go from a physical and tough standpoint. Now, and I hope that answered your question. Yeah. Um, I think it answered your question. Yeah, sure did. Um, Coach. I started the podcast um, not to just be another of one of the million football podcasts out there, but to have a specific uh, spin or, or for Christian coaches. Bottom line is for us to encourage each other and equip each other if possible. Talk about a little bit about your relationship with Jesus Christ and, and how you use that. Obviously, God's called you to be a football coach, but how – you're using that as a, as a Christian coach? You know, no, it's, it's been uh, gr- growing up for me, my relationship with the Lord got me through tough times as a child, just like, just like a lot of people have. And, and I've carried that with me um, everywhere I've been. I've fallen short um, like, like many of us have, but my relationship with the Lord and, and being lived by the Lord, I think is what has helped this staff along with other godly men. It's just like anything on our staff. When we preach a unified vision um, from our relationship with Christ, just like we do offensively, defensively, and philosophically, I think that our kids understand. I think the one thing kids do a better job of now than ever 
is they see through falsehood. Yeah. You know, they, the, the, the old phrase, keep it real. The kids, the kids can see that. And for me, it goes back to what we talked about earlier. I, I just try to be me. Um, and, and I have shortcomings every day. You know, when I, when I first got into the profession, I wanted to be Coach Ingram and Coach Tumberland and, and Coach Holmes. Even when I was working for Coach Fruit, I wanted to win games and win state championships. But for me, especially with what has transpired here um, at my time at Jeff Davis, it's about being a shepherd to young men. Yeah. Trying to give, we try to give these guys things of eternal value. Um, we try to give these kids, you know, what it means to be a a good father, a good husband, and, and a good Christian man, a good teammate, a good brother. Um, and and you I believe this to be able to do that correctly, you've got to be you've got to be led by the Lord. Absolutely. Because when you make it about you, that's where there's issues. And that's that's the one thing we, we never try to do. We never try to do that. No, that, that's it's awesome. been. Go ahead. No, I mean that's awesome, Coach. Um, you know, I know recently, you know, I, probably one of the worst things that could happen to a head coach is you have one of your players that you coach uh, pass away, and I know the, the the whole state was praying for you and the community there. Um, talk about what it was, what it's been like since that has happened, and um, how you feel like God has really used you. Because no coach wants to be in that situation, but I know that you feel like God put you there for that situation. Sure. You know, uh, so July the 11th, 2019, is something that will resonate with me personally, that will resonate with our coaches and this community for forever. Um, for, for the guys that don't know, I had two upcoming seniors leave practice the afternoon of July the 11th, and they were following each other home. Um, and they got in a two-car automobile accident with each other. Um, and, and, and basically, one of my seniors uh, died in his best friend's arms right there beside the road. It was just a tragic, tragic thing. Um, you know, and, and it has been something that this community has dealt with, that I've dealt with, um, even that afternoon, Coach, you know, of having to call a group of young men together and tell them that one of their teammates is gone, but then having to look them in the eye and say, I – I know you don't understand why, but this will be okay. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and it that was a dark day for all of us. And I've I've said this kind of several times and I, I still believe it true. When I pulled pulled in my house, coach is right beside our practice field. It kind of sits adjacent to our stadium, right across from our practice field. And there was this is this is one hundred percent true, coach. A big rainbow that sat and, and covered our practice field that afternoon. And I just felt that that was the Lord telling me brighter days are ahead. And my prayer has been to just be what this community needs um, for that. Our kids and myself and this program, this place, you know, we, we had to take time to grieve. And my, my charge to our kids was to grieve constructively. You know, what What we don't want to see is a fallout effect from something tragic and have more tragic things happen. Right. So we've tried to, to, to grieve constructively. The next step for us was to stand up. Um, the morning of the service, we came together and we had a team breakfast. Um, and we just fellowship with each other. We just kind of spent time together. Um, we, we wanted to make sure that our kids understood that that it was going to be okay, but also to make sure they understood they needed to be ready. Um, you know, and, and, and the next day, Coach, we, we tried to take a step forward. What I did for, for the next few days, I'll be completely honest with you, this goes against a lot of football guys. I didn't play any, I didn't do anything with football. We had Madden tournaments at the, at the field house, and we just cooked them lunch and spent time together. Um, and And – from that point forward, Coach, I felt like this bunch was able to start walking. We were able to start walking in the right direction and, 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 and get back to the game of football. You know, it's been, for us, our vision of this season is to do everything to honor that young man, Jordan Bavaro. There's been a phrase around this community, fly high for 58. And we've tried to fly high personally for him. 
and understand that all of our successes are something that his family can hold near and dear through a trying time for them. Um, we've also tried to make note of things like this. We've all had a lot of good times. We've laughed, we've cried, we've joked around with that young man. And we, we, we're not going to let one dark instance overshadow the good times we've had. Um, and we're just going to try to do everything we can to honor that young man and, and understand that we're not going to question the Lord's plan and that we're going to have the ability to be better men because of, of, of this tragic situation. And that's been a tough thing, um, you know, from, from a day-to-day reality. We've had guys that have had to miss here and there. We've had, we've had guys that mourn on different days, and it's something out of the blue. You know, one of the, the – this is a sad thing, but one of the most touching things throughout this whole process, Coach, was there was an upcoming senior when we sat in this lunchroom in my field house, and we talked as a team that afternoon, and, and, and we had to tell them that their teammate was gone. And there was a, a young man sitting in there, and I'd never seen him say a word to Jordan Bavaro, the young man in the past. And – just the raw emotion that came out of him, it, it also showed me how special this game can be for something more so than any formation, any, any tackle, season, stat, or win total. This game, to, in, in a time where this country and this world needs it, I think this game is, is just very, very special. And, and that is what has kind of brought me full circle in this in this whole deal, coaches, I think the Lord put myself and, and this group of men in Jeff Davis County, and we're trying to be what this county needs us to be right now. Coach, that's awesome, and uh, man, I just love I love to hear how a uh, game of football uh, shapes kids and communities like that. Um, I just want to ask you one follow up question on that. Um, you know, obviously uh, a tragedy that that. Um, that we hate to see happen, but have you, have you been able to see, you talked a little bit there about uh, some individual kids with the way the community kind of, kind of wrapped around your team there and the football community and your community, how have your, how have your players maybe taken that and, and grown or have, have they, have any of them been more receptive to, to the gospel or, or things like that from that? Um, how have your players reacted, you know, over the long term from that? Because we, we, that has definitely happened. We've seen, um, whether it be from a church family, whether it be from, from kids just coming and talking to our coaches, um, there have been upwards of 15 kids that have given their lives to the Lord through this instance. And that has been something that, that has resonated with me. Um, it has been um, – our community has been fantastic as far as supporting these kids as far as being there for these kids um, and just being someone they can talk to, being someone that they can grab a young man on the shoulder and say, hey, we're praying for you. It's going to be okay. Um, Grabbing somebody on the shoulder and saying, young man, we're looking forward to seeing you this season. If you need anything, let me know. And that is what small town USA, where I live in my day-to-day, what makes it so special it makes Jeff Davis County and Hazel are such a, a special place to raise your kids have a family and be an active member in the community because you know just being a yellow jacket um, I've seen that bring this bunch together I've seen people throughout this that I've, I've never seen personally up until that accident but the one thing we had in common is we both love Jordan Bavaro and now they're connected with this football team forever. And they've been here for these other young men. And it's been uh, something very special to be a part of. Very, very trying. But as I told the kids, I, I firmly believe that something special is going to come from this um, in their lives. Absolutely. Well, Coach, um, you know, it's, it's – We've been talking for a long time. I know you got things to do and we got things to do. But I just want to say, man, it's been an honor talking to you. It's been very encouraging. And for the other coaches out there listening, um, 
Your Twitter is at Coach L. Helton, and that's H-E-L-T-O-N. Um, and they, you guys can get, you can get a hold of you through that um, if they need anything from you or anything like that. But, um, Coach, man, I, I really uh, wish you good luck this football season, and um, I'd like to pray for you as we head out. Absolutely, Coach. Thank you for having me, guys. It was an honor. I've enjoyed watching you guys as a young coach coming up through and wish you guys nothing but the best as well. Thank you very much. Yes, sir. Thank you. Let's pray. Lord, we come before you today. I just want to praise and thank you for loving us. Praise and thank you for your son, Jesus Christ, for dying on the cross for our sins. Lord, I praise and thank you for Coach Helton and what you're doing in his life and through him and his coaching staff and the community there at Jeff Davis, Lord. And uh, Lord, I just I pray for the young man that we've been talking about. I pray for his family, Lord, even as we talk today, Lord, that the, that the peace of God which surpasses all understanding would guard their hearts and their minds in Christ Jesus, Lord. And, and the same thing for Coach and his staff and all the players, Lord. Um, Lord, life is, is a gift. It's, it's from you, uh, Lord, and our life is exists to glorify you. And I pray that we all would understand that, Lord. And so that we stand before you, we will have known that we lived a life for your glory and your honor and, and one that spread the gospel. And I know that's what Coach Helton is doing. I pray you continue to bless him and, and be with his boys and his coaches this football season. Keep them healthy and strong. Be with their wives and their families. Uh, help them to endure. And Lord, we love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Thanks, Coach. Coach. Look, guys, hey, I'm, I'm very appreciative. I, I hope I didn't ramble too much. No, nah, man, it was perfect. awesome. You were awesome. good, man. Yeah. Appreciate you. Thank you, guys. Have a good day. Yes, yeah. sir. Bye-bye. Oh.